This is an ABC podcast. It's time to get out and about in the garden with Rowanna and Sabrina here on ABC Radio Perth and WA. Hello everyone, five past nine. Welcome to our regional listeners joining me for the first time this morning. Nice to have you on board. It's not Ro and Sabrina this Saturday morning. Sab's still doing tours, chasing wildflowers or wineries, whatever she says it is that she's doing at the moment. But Grady Brandt, horticulturalist and former senior curator at Kings Park and Botanic Garden is with me. Not only was he the horticulturalist, the former senior curator... It was your lifelong job, Grady Brand. Welcome. Thank you very much, Ray. Really? 43 years? It is. I feel like I spent my entire life there. That's incredible. Though the same job, that whole, you, I imagine you didn't start as senior curator. Yeah, look, they run a program of uh, horticultural trainees. So I started in that in 1978 and loved that and then went on and did my diploma in, in horticulture. Then ran the nursery for a while, then ran the botanic gardens, and then sort of, you know, ran a, a, the series from the curator, from the arboras or arboriculture, yeah. the turf team, the nursery team, the botanic garden team, the seed collector. So I sort of had a little bit of a say in how all of those came together. It was what a, a fun job. job. Yeah, I bet. They were great people to work with, and they're still up there doing a great job. Your favourite spot in Kings Park? Oh, look, I think the Row Gardens is probably mine. It's sort of got uh, the flora of Calbarry, mm. that northern sand plain flora, which is pretty pretty stunning. Mm. And it's got the beautiful views over the, the river, the hills, a bit of bushland. It's sort of got everything that I think Kings Park is. We Perthies and West Australians are pretty spoiled, aren't we? We're spoiled rotten, <laughs> yeah. We've got an amazing flora. <laughs> Oh, we certainly do. I'm Scott in Vic Park. Hi, Ro. Love the show. Can you please ask Grady where the blue kangaroo paws are hidden in Kings Park? Well, look, I haven't been there for a little (laughs) while, but I would say they're in the kangaroo paw garden bed. That would be the logical place to plant some. makes sense. And so that's just near the water garden. I think you could go and look at them there. If not, go to the guides and ask them. They, they'll, they'll know where they are planted. Our friendly crew up there that can point you into the places that you need to go. Um, before we continue talking about Kings Park and native flora here in WA, and of course, take your calls. If you've got questions for Grady, he will have a crack at answering anything. Native flora is definitely his sweet spot. So if you've got particular questions relating to that, um, you can also boast about your adventures amongst the wildflowers. We always welcome those stories. 1300 222 uh, is the number to call. And you can also send us a text 0437 And we'll jump into your calls in just a moment. Um, also, a bit of a community service announcement, particularly for those of you around Perth. Sabrina, hey, Sab, is she listening? <laughs> She's got the life. Um, she has asked that we let listeners know that the open gardens have been cancelled this weekend. So don't have any more information for you than that, but the open gardens have been cancelled this weekend. So if you're planning to head out to one of the homes um, being opened up for you to explore the glorious gardens, then unfortunately um, you're not able to do that. You'll have to hold that over for, you know, another weekend. Um 
you've been finished up since December 2020. I have, yes. Lady, what have you been doing in that time? Well, look, I run a little bit of a thing called Favours. Right. For friends, <laughs> for people that I love. In their gardens? In or? their gardens, yeah. yeah. I help them out. Yeah. And, you know, the natural world has always been something that I've loved. Yeah. That's just part of my job. So I'm probably doing a lot more of that, going out camping going and being in natural spaces yeah yeah slowing myself down a little bit because you know <laughs> when you're working it's a I know. it's a fever pitch <laughs> what so, about your own garden i love my own garden yeah yeah always yeah. been able to give it a lot of time even when you were at king's park always yeah 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 <laughs> it's sort of part of you i think the the best room in the house is outside from my, from my thinking that's why we get people like you and Sabrina on for these segments because you're polar opposites to me <laughs> who would be happy with a concrete slab and nothing that I had to water or, you know, whatever because, yeah. you know, I'm just hopeless in that regard. But trying to get better and Sabrina is, is having a bit of an influence on me. So um, let's jump to some of your calls this morning. 1300 720. It's 10 past nine. Greg is out in 2J. Good morning to you, Greg. Yeah, good morning. Thank you very much. Um, I just have a question about a claret and a golden ash. Um, both were planted the same time as uh, bare rootstock into prepared holes. The um, claret ash is coming along just nice, just starting to sprout leaves, but the golden ash is sprouting. Um, I'm assuming it's like a rootstock or a graft type situation, uh, but not on the actual tree itself, so to speak. So. My question is, should I be knocking that growth off that's below the actual um, graft mark or should I just let that go? Well, there's a, that's a, a good sign that it's starting to grow. And yes, you definitely should knock off what they call those water shoots because that yep. will be taking all the nutrient. And uh, golden ashes do take a little bit longer to come into bud, or into, into growth. So just the fact that you've got that green shoots is a good sign, but take them off. And let's let that energy go up to the top. Well, and one other quick question about them. Um, just while they are sort of establishing, what sort of um, fertilisers and that should would you recommend, if anything at all? Yeah, look, any of those uh, bare roots, it's about a, a constant care. So, you know, regular watering and just a general purpose fertiliser and, you know, some compost as well that would help to keep that soil uh, moist because they don't really like their roots to be too hot. Right, okay, yep, great. Good on you, Greg. Thanks very much for giving us a call. If you want to do the same, we have got a couple of lines open, so you can give us a call now, 1300 720. You've brought in some beautiful flowers with I, you, Grady. I did, Ro, and I suppose that's the fun thing. I spent a long time in Kings Park and you know, spent my life trying to encourage people to grow West Australian plants. And I think the fun thing about botanic gardens is it's a scientific approach to horticulture. So it's applied science. So there's, you know, there's a real story. There's a, a logic behind it. And so the whole thing of growing West Australian plants has been, you know, a real journey for the community as well. And I th pretty well can say with my hand on my heart now that the community have embraced that. It's no longer a fad. Mm. It's no longer just something that is a dream, but it's the reality of it. it's people in the community want to be connected to their own flora. We used to always talk about, you know, our tradition is very much a European one because that's mm. where we all, you know, a lot of the gardening history came from. And I sort of really believe now that we've got our own 
and with good advice that has come through the nursery industry, mm. botanic gardens and wildflower societies, people can successfully grow plants. But there are some basic things that they need to do. Mm-hmm. We might get to some of those basic things. Sure. We can drop them through the show today um, and you can give people some advice on some of those basic things that they need to be uh, thinking about. We've got plenty of texts rolling through, so we'll clear some of those um, and get some answers to our wonderful listeners. Jill writes, Hi, Grady and Roe. I had a beautiful weeping hakea bought from Kings Park in my last garden and loved it. How do I get another one for my new house? Yeah, well, look, that's one plant that is readily available. So any any good uh, nursery, nursery. And often you can just leave your name at a nursery and they'll get one in for you. Beautiful. Um, there you go, Jill. Caterpillars eating my plants. Grady, any suggestions for treatment? Oh, look, it's the season. I'm, I'm a big head torch sort of person. Yep. Out you go at night. Or it's just a consistency. You've got to pick them off. Yep. And, you know, if you can bear it, they, <laughs> yeah. they, they go under the boot, yeah. Yeah, and just keep keep at it. Just keep at it. It's a consistency thing and just keep uh, gathering them off and, you know, chooks love them. This is the, yeah, this is the worst time of year? This is the peak, yeah. Yeah, okay. All right, let's go to Helen, who's, Helene, sorry, who's out in White Gum Valley. Hello to you. Hello, Brady and Bro. Um, yeah, I've got a, unfortunately it's not a native one, but um, I've got some hyacinths and um, deep down in the bulb and around the soil of the bulb, and it's only with the pink ones, not with the blue ones, they're these tiny, tiny little things, they're about, they've got legs, they're very tiny, they're about the size of um, three grains of um, beach sand, and they are eating the bulb, and I put... Um, what do you call it, uh, neem oil in with some water and it sort of knocked off a few of them, but yeah. So pretty. have they got little wings on them? No, they live inside and down the bulb. They're just about, they eventually eat the whole inside of the bulb out. And they're, they, they're a grub, are they? Yeah, they're, they're, they're well, they're, no, they've got legs. So, mm. But they you can't see them on the surface. They, they're down in the soil and, they, and when you pe- peel the little layers of the... Um, Bulbacks. There's millions of them in there. Yeah. Look, the the best thing to probably do is uh, you're probably just going to have to ride out this season. But when they go dormant, you know, just to pull. Oh no, they, they eat the whole thing out, so it's completely hollow and done. Yeah, but you know, you to to actually resurrect that plant, you mm-hmm. know, they, there will be more in this, more bulbs in the soil of the hyacinths. And then maybe that is your go. You, it's something in the soil, so. No, it's not because I've got other bulbs in other containers, and it's not in that soil. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's just the the important thing is to to get rid of that soil and put them into fresh soil in the future because there will be a whole ecology of uh, bugs in that soil <laughs> that you need to renew that soil so it doesn't happen again. Well, pretty important. Good on you, Helene. Thanks for giving us a call. 1300 222 720 if you want to do the same. We're going to head down to Albany now and Lindsay is there. Good morning, Lindsay. Yes. Hello. Hello. How can we help? Oh, hello, Rowan. Um, Grady. <laughs> Grady, hi. Um, look, I just wondered, can I grow a finger lime down here? The soil is fairly acid and... Uh, uh, I daren't ask a citrus question, but the <laughs> finger lime's a bit different. 
<laughs> yeah. We got t- 11 minutes into the show without one. Uh, that's all right, Lindsay. We'll no, let it it's through. Finger line, it's finger line. It's different. <laughs> yeah, look, Lindsay, the finger limes are, are perfect for growing down there. They're quite, oh, great. Sl- they're quite slow growing and yeah. they may take, you know, four or five years before you actually get a crop. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I think they'll be just, just fine. They're, they're a little prickly, but, you know, they're a beautiful thing <laughs> to try. Thank you very much. There we go. Easy done. Thanks, Lindsay. Uh, let's go to Rob now. Rob's in Nedlands. G'day, Rob. Hi. Um, thanks for uh, giving me your time, guys. The, uh, I'm with the Nedlands Tree Canopy Group, and our poor suburb's been denuded by developers. Uh, thanks, uh, Scapiotti, for <laughs> wanting to destroy the suburb. Um, we've got a problem of uh, trying to re regrow the suburb, regreen it. Um, so want to know what the indigenous uh, trees are that are fast growing that can uh, uh, cover the eyesore of brick, concrete and roof tiles. Thank you, Rob. Well, look, you know, urban horticulture is, uh, you know, is quite a science in itself. So I would suggest that you, I assume you're working with your local council that are responsible for planting trees with, throughout the suburbs. But, you know, yeah, most most of their list is uh, is ferals. Well, uh, yeah. indigenous trees. So we're trying to uh, help uh, educate them as well. Yeah, well, look, you've probably got a life work there. <laughs> <laughs> but I'd con- I'd encourage you to keep doing that. You know, there's some lovely melaleucas that uh, could become part of the suite that are, are smaller trees because it's about you know getting as many as possible getting species that you know attract the right insects attract the birds and actually give you a connection i hear that's what you're wanting to do mm. and you know i just encourage you to keep working with your council and with those that are responsible for, for planting the trees but yeah malalucas malalucas and some of the smaller eucalypts there's some lovely things that uh, should be planted more throughout the streets just to Give us a, a greater sense of place of where we live. Thank you, Rob. From Rob to Bob, who's in Rolly Stone. Good morning, Bob. Hello. How can we Hello. help you? Yes, uh, good morning, Ro and um, Grady, is it? That's it right. Is. Yeah. Um, I've got a couple of snotty gobbles in the garden and in our, uh, on our block, and they're the round leaf ones, mm-hmm. um, but I've never actually spotted them fruiting. So I just wonder if there's anything I can do to encourage that. How how large are they, Bob? Oh, they're about two metres. Yeah, well, look, they, they should be just about ready, but it could be that there uh, aren't enough pollinators, but, you know, they flower a beautiful yellow flower. That's Pasunia elliptica you've got. And, yep. yeah, the fruits should come on them, but it is related. The, the fruit set, of course, is about pollination. So uh, well. You, Okay, there should be plenty of pollinators around. Yeah. Okay. So it'll it'll be then just a time factor that they they take a while before they're they're ready to produce um, seeds. Okay. Uh, can I ask another quick question about quandongs? Sure. Um, I've got a quandong, and every now and again a small one comes up, and I, and it seems to be around the trunk of the existing quandong. Does that mean it's suckering, or are those actually from the condoms that I don't manage to pick? Yeah, look, there is uh, genetic 
diversity amongst Kwandongs. Some are a solitary tree and some are suckering. And, uh, yeah, you may well have uh, the suckering form, which sometimes in a garden setting is undesirable. Um, but, uh, yeah, just don't put any poison near it because that oh, is all okay. linked to one plant. So you just got to keep uh, cutting them with a sharp pair of clean secateurs and those shoots that come up, you just cut them off and let the, the solitary tree be your specimen. Okay. Can I actually uh, transplant those and bring them up as further quondong? Look, you could try uh, digging a little around and gathering a bit of root with it. It, it possibly would be best to do that in winter, but uh, I'm not sure you're going to have a lot of success. But in horticulture, give anything a go. <laughs> Uh, good advice, Grady. Bob, thank you. Um, he did pretty well there. I think he slipped in a third question <laughs> <laughs> very discreetly, but very effectively got the answer that he wanted. Thank you um, to you, Bob. 1300 720. It's 22 past nine. Sab's pick of the week. She has lodged one coming your way in about eight minutes from now. Uh, you're listening to Rowanna, as usual, on Roots and Shoots. But with me today in Sab's absence is Grady. Brady Brand. He's a horticulturalist and he is the former senior curator at Kings Park um, and was there for 43 years. So we're very lucky to have his expertise and experience with us here in the studio today and answering your questions, in particular those around um, WA native flora. Um, That's the area of expertise that he's most comfortable talking about. But as you've heard, um, we'll answer any of your questions just as Sab would. So 1300 uh, Of course, just a reminder, we have to do it every week because we still have people wanting um, and trying to get us through photos on the text line. We can't get photos. We don't receive them for some crazy reason um, on the text line. So you need to email any photos. So the plant ID and the likes when you need to give Grady a picture of what you're talking about, perthweekends at your.abc.net.au. One more time, perthweekends, one word, there's an S on the end, perthweekends at your.abc.net.au. We might get through a couple of these texts. Actually, we'll go to the email, which I've just um, plugged, and there's a ID question here for you, um, Grady. It's a huge photo. I'm just trying to find a way to make that a bit smaller so we can actually... um, It's obviously high resolution, which is helpful, um, but at the moment we're just getting a great big air conditioning system, which... And now the pot... Does that help? I think... The person is wanting um, some ID. Let me just get back up to the top of the email. Um, Hi, Rowan and Sab. Could you please tell me what this plant is? This is from Diane in Albany. Grady, is that of any help to you or is it just too big at the moment? Well, there's no flowers to give anything away. It, I tell you, if it's a semi-climbing plant, it could be a Stephanotis, but wow. There's no flowers on that that I can see, but no, the leaves doesn't. look a little bit Stephanotis-like. So how about that as a starting point? Perhaps type that into your search engine and mm. see whether that comes up. But they've got a a, a white, very uh, aromatic flower. Okay. So Stephanotis, I'm I'm guessing. That's the direction that will <laughs> push you in. Thank you, um, Grady. Um, morning. Could you please... Uh, 
suggest a couple of low-growing flowering natives for a window box under the eaves and facing east, but there is reticulation in there too. That's from Judith. Well, look, I'll, I'll look at my little <laughs> bunch of flowers that I've got here, and I think there are many. There's uh, Tamasia purpurea, is a lovely compact uh, shrub that's readily available. There's Melaleuca conothamnoides. That's pretty beautiful. And often in those window boxes, having something that sort of flows down, you know, you could try a thryptamine repens and then throw in a bit of grey, leucophyta brownii. That'd be my combination. <laughs> okay. Um, they're all the uh, scientific names. Yeah. Um, is there any names that we'd know them by that we might be more familiar with? Hmm. Look, common names can lead you down the garden path. Okay. And so it's best to go to a nursery with those botanical names. Hopefully she had a little recording system yes. on. <laughs> so spoken a, like a true horticulturalist. As I was saying those names. This is the point where I remind you that the show does go up online um, at the conclusion and um, you can hear it stays up there for a week. So, Judith, you may want to, in fact, go to abc.net.au slash Perth later today or during the week and play back. Roots and Shoots episode for this week and have your pen ready to write down those names um, that Grady has suggested because I can assure you they're absolutely beautiful. I don't know which ones in the vase um, that Grady was talking about specifically, but I can assure you that every single flower um, plant in in this um, vase that I've got here sitting on my desk. I'll post a photo on my socials in a moment so you can see just how glorious it is, but it really is uh, pretty special. Speaking of special... Let's head down to Denmark. Beautiful place. And Tony's given us a call. Hey, Tony. Oh, yes. Hello. Yeah, hi, hi Brett. Your, your lifetime experience in Kings Park is quite is quite an amazing feat. Well done. Thanks, Tony. But I, I'm from down near the Tingle Forest, and for many years, probably similar period to yourself, have been trying to understand how this country was managed before the Europeans got here. And, um, you know, the tremendous skill that the First Peoples had to care for, for our country. And in re- recent times, there's been a lot of talk about cultural burning and how cultural burning could could help um, achieve a similar goal to, to you know, to that early... Um, uh, early uh, caring for country, and um, I was interested to know your experience with that, with that um, method in Kings Park, and 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 where do you see if we're going to be cultural, culturally burning the southwest of West Australia, for instance? Well, then will we be burning vastly less country and and, and allowing the country to recover to some degree in the Tingle Forest, for instance? Each each one of these prescribed burns does massive damage to the bases of these thousand-year-old trees, which I find quite upsetting. And would really look forward to a change in the um, the management, the fire management of uh, of our forests in Western Australia. Yeah, look, Tony. What I'm really rapt about is your connection to your country, and I think that's a, a fantastic thing, and to be encouraged. And look, I'm comforted that, uh, you know, the department's uh, fireys mm-hmm. with uh, Parks and Wildlife are getting together with local scientists in the southwest, and there's conversations happening, and I think that's really important. Clearly, 
climate has changed and clearly, you know, lots of talks and conversations need to be had to come up with what is the best approach for, um, you know, 2022. Mm. And that's happening. So I would be comforted that uh, you've got a, a very passionate group of scientists in the southwest that are working with the, the department and uh, that conversation is being had and I think that is the most important scientific approach to uh, ecological health. Yeah, I think um, the Aboriginal ranger groups and others that are starting to form in yeah. some of these areas as well, there's, there's at least at this point an acknowledgement of that ancient knowledge and that there's yep. a place to to combine that with, you know, modern science and, and bring it all together to perhaps do things a bit differently yeah, look, um, one and of appropriate my, to, yeah. to 2022. One of my previous work colleagues in Stephen Hopper is down in the southwest, lives down there at Albany and is the local professor at the UWA there. And I have full faith that he is uh, the man to get to the bottom. He's engaging with the, the local people, the Aboriginal people of the land there. Yeah, good. And I find that very positive. Yeah, thanks for raising that one, um, Tony. Good conversation point here on Roots and Shoots, where it is half past nine. So, you know what? We might even take a little pause and hit Sab's pick of the week right on time this week. It is that time again. It is. Sabrina's musical pick of the week. Pick, pick of the week. I know you're going to dig this. Here we go now. Ah, this is the bit where we all get to take a breath. If you're waiting online, just hang with us for a couple of minutes. We'll be back taking your calls in no time at all. Sab has slotted in her request for this week. And, of course, you get to uh, give your verdict on the text line if you'd like to of what you think of it, 0437 922 She's keeping it local. She's gone with Little Birdie. And the song Beautiful to Me, because according to Sab, that's how she thinks Grady Brand feels about Kings Park Botanic Garden. Pretty sure we all feel a bit that way about Kings Park or Gutta Garup. Here we go. Sab's pick of the week for you. Have a listen. Tell us what you think. We'll be back with you to take more of your calls in just a moment. There we go. A little bit of little birdie for your Saturday morning, 25 to 10. Beautiful to me. Yep, looks like a lot of ticks for that one uh, coming up. Grady, love this song, says Diane Mandra. Pick, yep, can't go past her slightly strangled husky voice. Unique, says William. That is, of course, the voice of Katie Steele. Uh, great pick, Sabby, says Karen. Love it. Didn't know Sab had such good taste. <laughs> Uh, Rachel in Frio also throwing her support behind Sab's Pick of the Week. We've got no negatives so far. Thumbs up from Chidlow, says Annie. What did you think, Grady? I thought it was great. Yeah, tapping along. She was on it. (laughs) Yeah, she she certainly was. Uh, Sab, if you've just joined us, she's away. She was away last week and she's away again today. She'll be back with us next weekend, although... You know, with all the public holidays surrounding next weekend, knowing Sab, she's found herself some little five-day adventure that she'll probably pull out late. No, she wouldn't do that to us. Um, she'll be here, I'm sure. Uh, but we've got Grady Brand with us, the former senior curator at Kings Park. So if you've got a question, well, our lines are full at the moment, actually. So be patient and jump in, 1300 222 720. Ravensthorpe Wildflower Show. 
Ro, I had the pleasure of being invited by the the committee yep. to go down and open their 40th uh, year. 40th year? 40th year. So wow. a group of volunteers doing an amazing job oh, at Ravensall. That's you know, really cool. They are in one very special place yeah. there in the southern biosphere of the Fitzgeralds. Yeah. You know, so... And the Raven Salt Rangers. So they're a group of volunteers that have run a, a wildflower show, which is dear to my heart, yep. having been involved in many in Kings Park. So great synergies between the two. And so I went down to open this special event. They launched this beautiful book, which is a whole lot of botanical artists. Mm. So, you know, the natural connections, celebrating Raven Salt oh, and the like Biosphere. It's a coffee book, hardcover. It's... It's fantastic. Oh, gosh, it's beautiful. Yeah, Ooh, so there's people a, like... Did you put that in there deliberately so I'd open to the snake page? <laughs> <laughs> so Philippa Nikolensky's one of the artists, Margaret Peroni. You know, there's some fantastic uh, artists of WA that have done all this fantastic work. And that festival is still on. But like any good festival, you know, before and after is still just as good. The Southwest flowers all the time right mm. throughout the year. But spring, of course, is the the great time to celebrate. And they've done a great thing of sort of encouraging people to grow plants at home mm-hmm. and just, you know, having that connection to the country, mm. which I think is the fundamental to being West Australian. We've got one of the most amazing floras on earth. Why mm. wouldn't you want to be connected to it? Yeah, definitely. Um, the festival started uh, Monday, yep. just gone, and runs through till next Saturday, the 24th. Yeah. Um, if you want to get online and have a look, Ravens Thought Wildflower Show. But as you say, uh, Grady, anytime. Anytime. Go down yeah. there. And, but that is a beautiful book, too. If yeah. you're looking for a book about wildflowers in that particular area, Natural Connections, as Grady said, um, is really, really beautiful. Did you see Sab in your travels? No, but she did send me a couple of pictures of plants because, you know, she's a plantaholic, as we know. <laughs> she never stops. <laughs> and I was given a bit of a guess on some of them. And <laughs> she and I were both a little bit flummoxed on it. I don't think I'd ever seen it before. It was right. a beautiful isopogon. She found it new to gate and got a bit excited about it. Yeah, right. Which was great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I sit on the outside going, really? Who gets excited by that? But the yeah. two of you... We we'll love that. So that, that keeps us going. Yeah, very good. We better keep this show going because we've got a bank full of calls. We've got texts coming through. Um, so we'll get to as many of your uh, questions and queries as we can. Let's go to Annika, who's in Bedford Dale. Good morning, Annika. Good morning. How are you? Oh, good. Your line's just a little crackly. Hopefully um, oh, we can... That's the joy of living where we live. Stand where you are right now and stay there. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> um, we've got your photo that you've sent through, Annika, and Staghorn Emergency seems a fair um, title for it. <laughs> yes. I just discovered it had fallen down on my little morning walk oh. around the garden. So, Annika, yeah, look, I just resurrected one of these in my garden recently that did oh, the good. same thing. Because, you know, at this time of year they're really wet and they, yes. they're sort of whatever they're connected to often rots. So, Correct, I could see that. <laughs> yeah, so this just needs some manpower or people power, whatever you yep. want to call, uh, to yep. lift it up and make yourself a new board, probably out of yep. hardwood, and, yeah. you know, with a connection, and then get a whole lot of people, lift it onto that board, <laughs> and then you, yes. just, you just get really strong tie wire, you know, really thick, maybe about six mil wire. Yeah, and, yeah. And you push it through the whole staghorn, 
right through the whole plant to the board at the back and you just retie it onto that board and yep. you, do, you do about you know one right under the bottom of it where all the weight will come May, yep. maybe about three of those but just heavy duty uh, galvanized wire onto a new board and rehang it all right and should i do anything to pamper it a little bit now or should it be okay <laughs> no look it's a lovely time of year for these fellas so they're not going to get sunburnt because the, the it hasn't really got hot but you sort of would need to put it on a new board within the next you know two weeks uh, oh, the, yeah. way, the way it's sitting there now is quite okay and once you put it on a new board maybe a little bit of native slow release a little bit of koi soaked up with a bit of potting mix native potting yep. mix and put that in on the top and that'll that'll be all that we'll need and it'll last you the rest of your life on that board wonderful all good right news. good on you annika thank you very much for that no worries thanks for giving us a call and even better thank you for flicking through the email so uh, Grady knew exactly what you were talking about and, and the size of that staghorn, which was a beauty. Uh, Tyler in Geraldton, finally Sabrina has picked a beautiful song. <laughs> it's a great song. Thanks for hanging in there, Tyler, and um, staying the course till we got you a song that you liked. Uh, Karen writes, Grady, good morning, Rowie and Grady. Can you have success with transplanting an Albany woolly bush? Look, I... I would say no. I was going to say, Grady straightened up in his chair there yeah, yeah. to answer. I would say no. <laughs> Look, they're very quick growing. Unfortunately, they most native plants don't really like it, and it's far better. Grow a new one, and that'll reward you. Okay. There we go. Let's head up to the Pilbara now. Rob is in Dampier. Hey, Rob. Yeah, good day. How you going? Good. How can we help? That's good. Just got a couple of questions. Mm. Uh, basically about mango trees. Um, I've got a mango tree in the ground, which I grew from seed. The trunk's about 75 millimetres in diameter. It's starting to get termites in it, and the leaves are going all brown. I was wondering what I can put on it to kill the termites but not kill the tree. Hmm. Well, <laughs> Rob, you know, unfortunately you're in termite land, and, and, often, and often termites are, attract, are attracted to a plant when it's sort of a little bit uh, unhealthy. So okay. If it's got into it, you know, you can do chemical warfare on it, but I think that, that tree has probably uh, had its day, really, unfortunately. Oh, okay. Yeah. All righty. I'll monitor that one. And what? can I just slip another quick one in there, please? You sure, sure. can. Uh, boab trees that aren't growing leaves. They're alive. If I scrape the bark off, the trees are still alive, but it's just they don't seem to produce leaves. Hmm. Well, they, they've, Obviously, they had leaves in the past, but uh, they seem to be very seasonal. And, um, yeah, these things are about, I don't know, maybe a metre and a half tall. Yeah, look, there is a dormancy time. And yeah. uh, the, the ones that we transplanted from the Kimberley to Kings Park, they wouldn't really come into shoot until about Christmas time. So they'd be dormant from about April through to Christmas. So, you know, they, and in the Kimberley, they're dormant in the, the winter time. So it's okay. just as soon as your weather starts to warm up, um, yep. you'll just watch for bud burst and as soon as they're bud burst, you'll give them a little bit of a feed and start to water them and, and they'll burst into life. Okay, no dramas. Good on you, Rob. Commonly known as a, commonly known as a stick tree in my house, but yeah. <laughs> oh, oh. It's, a, it's a good thing. 
Thanks for giving us a call. Uh, Rob, we've got a couple of people wanting to pick your brains, Grady, about your wildflower hotspots that you can make recommendations for. So Herb says, please ask Grady best wildflower hotspots for this week. And then another text says, hi, we're thinking of going camping on the long weekend coming up. Can you suggest a great place to see wildflowers within maybe two or three hours from Perth? Well, of late... Mm. I was in the Carrara rangelands with friends camping. Mm-hmm. Absolutely amazing. Okay. So wildflowers everywhere. Yeah. And that's in a really great camping location. Small fees, but uh, you can apply online. Where is that? That is sort of uh, east of Morrowa. Yeah. Okay. And a little bit north of northeast of Woburn. It's a bit. Okay. It's a bit more than the two and three hours. Yeah. Okay. But uh, <laughs> you know, it's a, a great spot for camping. Um, so that is in full cry and probably will be right through until early October. Yeah. A lovely spot. The hills at the moment, not really the camping thing, but for yeah. those that are doing a day visit, are really beautiful at the moment. But spring is sprung everywhere. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. And I'll always send you Three Springs, Minganew Way, Colstein yeah. Park. Um Anywhere around there, if you can can get there, then um, that's, yeah, that's probably around the three-hour mark, yeah. I'd say, to get up yep. to Ming and you. So uh, plenty of options. Um, you head out any of the wheat belt roads, really, and um, into the Midwest. And, well, Sab's down south. We've got Ravensthorpe. There's plenty of options at the moment. Or head yeah. up to Kings Park. That's also right. another option for you. Yeah. Uh, back to your calls now, 1300 222 It's quarter to 10. Glenn is in Nedlands. Hey, Glenn. Yeah, yeah. Hi, Glenn here. So, um, just I know, Grady, you're you're no longer a part of Kings Park, but um, uh, my mother was um, she discovered co-discovered a grevillea about thirty years ago, and um, I found it in in the grevillea part of the uh, Kings Park garden. Um, so, just I mean, my mother passed away about sixteen years ago, but just uh, just wondering if the Kings Park ever does seedlings, because it would just be you know, be a nice thing to be able to do is get a, a seedling of, of of that plant and. Um, and be able to uh, plant it in the garden. But I've also, I've got a place down at Yelling Up, so I'm not sure how well grevilleas would work. I mean, this, this grevillea was found in uh, uh, a place called Darken, so, I mean, I can't see why it wouldn't, but I thought I'd ask uh, if, what, if you had any comments on that. Yeah, look, Glenn, you know, King's Park's still in my heart, as it seems <laughs> to be in yours, with those connections there, which is uh, fantastic. Look, the friends of King's Park, they run plant sales, so I would inquire with them first. If you haven't seen it available commercially, it might be a, an unusual uh, grevillea. And they're sort of one of their, you know, great things that they're doing is they're producing plants that aren't readily available in the nursery trade for these very sort of uh, connections. So send them an email, see whether they have grown it before, whether they're prepared to grow you some or grow some for you and the rest of the community. But ask that question, and that would be the best place that I'd recommend that you start. Okay, thank you. Good on you, Glenn. Uh, and we'll go okay in yelling up? I think it will, yeah. Yep. yep. Very good. Uh, let's head to Laura, who is in Mount Lawley. Hey, Laura. Hello. Um, yeah, I just had a question about growing kangaroo paws. I've bought many um, tube stock over the years and planted them and they grow really well but they tend to like flower the first year and then never again. So just wanted to get some tips on that. Yeah, look, kangaroo paws uh, 
are one of those beasts. Some are longer lived. Any plant that has got sort of flavitus in the hybridization seems to last a fair bit longer. Um, but some of them, like mangles kangaroo paw, some of those are a little bit uh, sort of more ephemeral. Uh, you know, the, the breeding team in Kings Park are trying to change that and breed more longevity into some of these species. But generally, they are, are short-lived and they're a, a great plant to put in your garden, but you've got to sort of treat them as a little bit like a two- and a three-year plan. <laughs> right. But how to get them to flower again after the first year? Like, should I be feeding them? or? Yeah, well, it depends. The different species have different vigour. So you would always feed. Uh, so once they have flowered, you'd prune those flowers right back down to the ground and then you'd give them a slow-release fertiliser to encourage them to keep growing. Right, OK. Thanks a lot. No worries. Thank you, Laura. Um, Sarah has sent us a text on 0437 922 720. Hi, Grady. Great to get the benefit of your native plant expertise on the radio. I'm not... I'm not very successfully attempting to raise local calamunda natives from seed and or cutting. I generally lose them at the, is it cotyledon? Or is cotyledon. Cotyledon, there yeah. we go, stage for seeds, and to mildew in the case of cuttings. Do you have any tips for Sarah? Yeah, look, the most important sort of the nursery principles and practices of growing plants successfully is uh, to sterilise all your pots and to use a, a potting mix that is brand new when you are sowing the seeds, keep them up off the ground, put them in a fun uh, in a full sun location, because some of that sounds like there's a bit of damping off. So you've got to have the right soil. Make sure that they're lightly watered but not too wet. Just keep them the little babies slightly damp, but uh, consistently. And with the cuttings, it's just about trialing different times of year. And maybe they're a little bit too humid in the environment and that's what's encouraging that mould. Okay. Thank you. Uh, on our way to uh, Robert, can you please let your guests know about Berry Reserve in Gijigana? After the fires, the flora is nothing short of spectacular. Should anyone enjoy a walk? Look, I was recently on a bus tour and took a whole lot of people at... Uh, that loved that very location. Loved that wildflowers, and we went right through the Chittering Valley and Two J. And yeah, following that fire, that was a couple of years ago. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, wow, and that's even closer to home. Um, if you're not looking to travel too far, maybe over this um, almost five days that we've managed to to get off towards the end of next, or some of us. Some of you, I don't know, you know, some people have managed to get off next weekend. Um, let's head to Robert. We're nine minutes away from 10, so you haven't got long. If you've got a question for Grady, then please jump in now, 1300 and we'll squeeze in a few more calls. Over to you, Robert. G'day, you two. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Oh, fine, thank you. Grady, um, uh, my question is, is around Sandalwood. Uh, I'm a leaseholder of a mining tenement north of Coolgardie and we have some lovely stands of, of uh, sandalwood that we, we cherish and, uh, and uh, fiercely guard. My question is, the story is that they're related to Kwandong and macadamia. They're certainly edible uh, when they shed fruit uh, uh, and we've tried them. Um, and 
were the were sandalwood ever endemic to uh, the Darling Ranges? Yeah, well, look, uh, sandalwood, I believe, they come right to the coast about where Kalbarri is. There's some right on the coast there. And they they were scattered through the Darling Range. So if you go onto Flora Base and type in, um, you know, Santalum spicatum, which is the sandalwood, it will come up with dots all over that map of where a herbarium specimen has been gathered for that species. And it will show you. Clearly they've been harvested over a long period of time, so they're less within uh, the areas within the Darling Range, but I believe they were there. They're predominantly in the country that you are now and in those pastoral countries, the desert and the, the gold fields and the, the Mulga areas of WA. Yeah, we were um, 50 kilometres north of Coolgardie and uh, the uh, eastern goldfield sandalwood is, like I said, we we guard them fiercely, and uh, and uh, uh, I was just wondering just how far their range extended. I know they're out at Euclid, I know they were harvested extensively, but uh, they seem to be making a comeback, which is terrific. It's wonderful, so I think. You. Yeah, no worries. Thank you very much for that. Good on you, Robert. Uh, an email coming through perthweekends at your.abc.net.au. It's from Dawn. Hello, Grady and Rowanna. I have two jacarandas, both growing well, but are very spindly. Should I cut out the tops to encourage a denser canopy? Dawn writes, give Grady a bit of a look. How spindly. They are. You know, I suppose it really depends on... Uh, this is a very juvenile plant. And it's best to leave all of that foliage on and let them uh, develop into the tree. And I would just encourage you just to keep watering that specimen. And it's about how big you want that tree to be. I would personally encourage you in about another five years' time to engage an arborist that might come and give you a little bit of advice about the pruning of it. But normally jacarandas will find their own shape and they'll reward you with those beautiful purple flowers. Good on you, Dawn. Thanks for shooting us through an email. We'll head to Robin now. She's in Padbury. Good morning. Good morning. Oh. Uh, I've got a problem. I have two spe- uh, specimens of brown baronia, and they don't have any perfume. Am I doing something wrong? No, you're not. <laughs> Look, there, there has been quite a few selections of uh, brown baronia, but the ones that I smell when I go to the uh, to the nursery are still highly scented. So maybe go back to a nursery, find one yep. that find one that works for your uh, nasal cavities, and, uh, and and purchase one of those. And I do have some tips for baronia: never let them yep. dry out. Once they're dried out, no. so best grown in a pot possibly a yep. terracotta, and always keep them in a saucer of water and make sure you the, right. the mozzies don't uh, breed in that water. Don't, keep, don't keep, breed there. Keep tipping that out, but it, that is the most important thing. It's a bit like an azalea. Never let it dry out or it'll, it'll, that's curtain. So brown baronias <laughs> grow really well so long as you keep their feet wet. Okay, thank you very much. 
I'll uh, go off to the wild foundries and uh, see if I can get a better specimen. Yeah. Thank you. No Good on you, Robin. Thanks very much for giving us a call. We've got a couple of people just wanting um, clarification. The reserve near Kijiganup. Now, what, Berry Reserve Berry. at Kijiganup. And what was the name of the place east of Morawa? Was the Karara Rangeland. Karara Rangeland. Thank you. Hopefully that gives the clarity needed for those still chasing it. Um, got a couple more minutes. So we can have a couple more calls. Annie is in Ocean Reef. Hey, Annie. Good morning. Um, look, I've got a cycad that has been in a pot for, it's got to be 15 plus years, and it's started to uh, grow crooked and it definitely needs repotting. So I'm a bit worried. It's quite a, an advanced cycad. So I'm just wondering the best way um, to do that, to repot it. Yeah, look, they're very tolerant of uh, a bit of root disturbance cycad. So yeah. you, wouldn't, you shouldn't be too scared about knocking it out. And, right. you know, maybe if it's really matted with the roots, you might with a sharp saw or secateurs actually yeah. cut off some of those roots where, you know, it could have actually half lifted up and it will be a real thick, dense uh, root right. system at the bottom. You can remove maybe about five centimetres of that. And right. then with lots of people to help, by the sound, it's a large <laughs> one. Yeah. Uh, it can be knocked out and put into a pot that... You know, maybe only has a an extra five centimeters either side right. of its current root ball. Okay. Yep. And, that's and, perfect, and, yeah. And just use a, a good quality, probably a native potting mix, I would native suggest. Potting, yep. And, Excellent. And I think you'll, you'll be rewarded. You're right. Okay. Thank you very much for that. That's excellent. No worries. You're welcome, Annie. Bye. Susie in Dunsborough writes Good morning, Rowena and Grady. Would painting the raw stump of a newly cut native but invasive native tree sapling to stop it from growing back with plain old house paint. The trunk is around wrist thick. If not, what would be best? The best is is to get the shovel. <laughs> dig and, it out. And dig it out. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. No, you can get most natives are quite easy, dare I say, to remove. Yeah, okay. They're quite surface rooting, so a bit of a shovel, get down and Get it out and a sharp saw and just keep working around and rock it out. Very good. Um, is there any web or written resources to know whether a native plant is poisonous, for example, for small children? Nell would like to know. Yeah, look, I believe there are some resources on the, the internet mm. about that. Um, and you, it is all linked about the botanical name. You sort of got to know the real name for the plant to actually get into the... <laughs> To is that plant dangerous? Okay. Um, a couple of people looking for a bit of advice. Can you please suggest some native plants, shrubs and ground covers in particular, suitable for a shady garden? We live close to the beach in Mullaloo, says Jill. Well, in a shady garden close to the coast, it's a little bit tricky because most of the plants for those areas love full sun. But, uh, you know, Grevillea chrythmifolia could work for you um even some of the sort of the lower growing adenanthus so adenanthus cuneatus cunninghamii has a sort of a a, a lower growing form of so perhaps of try try some of those beautiful and greg similar vein but looking for different suggestions um moving from a large native garden to a small place with a balcony that only gets morning sun any 
natives that they could put in on the Look, I'm, I'm convinced that most natives grow in a pot. Yeah. Uh, they just need uh, lots of care, never to dry out, and the world is your oyster. So if you like verticordias, if you like melaleucas, kangaroo paws, conostylus, they'll all grow in a pot. My goodness, Grady Brand, you nailed it. <laughs> We're done here. <laughs> Great, Ro, it was lovely. It Thank, was thanks lovely. for Sabrina for asking me. This is an ABC podcast.